and, and many of you have, and, and I don't like the process of peeling potatoes. You know, today's message, I was, I was going to call it peeling potatoes. Um, but in the process of calling it peeling potatoes, I'm, pray for me today. <laughs> In the process of calling it peeling potatoes, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes it just stinks, man, because you're like, because when you make potatoes, you don't just make one. It depends how big your family is or who's coming over, right? It's multiple potatoes, and that's multiple potatoes you have to peel. Some of you guys cook it with the, with the skin. That's how my family does it. Well, not everyone does it that way. It depends what you're going to cook, too whether it's going to have skin or not. See, when I put it in the oven and I put some powder that my wife buys and I put it, some onion something powder on it, it's delicious, I just cut it up into little chunks and in the oven it goes. I ain't peeling anything. But the process of peeling potatoes sometimes is just difficult. But, you know, so much of life goes by when, when you peel potatoes. And I will say this is just, uh, this is a part of the kitchen that I really don't ever want to be a part of, peeling a potato. Let me serve the drinks. Let me get, set the table over. Oh, that sounds very feminine. I'll do it. I don't care. Set tables. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure. I could do all that. But um, I wish I could just skip this part, the peeling the potatoes, being in the kitchen. Because when we're in the kitchen, some of us are cooks and you get excited for being in the kitchen. This guy right here does not get excited about being in the kitchen. I actually get very sad when I'm in the kitchen. I don't want to be in here. I want to be outside. I want to be in the living room. That's where everyone's at. I hear them laughing over there. They're watching TV. But I'm over here peeling my potatoes. You guys can relate, right? I like to be in the kitchen. Sorry, James and Shirley, you can't see me over there, but I'm peeling potatoes over here. And, um, and that's just me. I, I just want to be out there because I'm social like that. And I want to just laugh with you guys, and I want to mess around, and I want to watch the show that you're watching, especially if there's a game on. Like today, I'm not peeling no potatoes at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Don't ask me to peel a potato today. But, you know, I want to be out there. What's so funny? You know, you ever caught yourself doing that in the kitchen? Hey, what's happening out there? Nothing. No, I know something happened because I hear you laughing. Can you tell me what's happening? Because I'm missing it because I'm peeling potatoes over here, if you haven't noticed. And some of us just want to be over there where the action's at, but we're stuck in the kitchen in our own excitement. Peeling potatoes. Peeling potatoes. Do I call this? What do I call this right here? This, this, this movement, is that a, a strike? Or is that a... What, cooks? A stroke? Stroking away one slice at a t- time. And then... You get that weird, who wants to shake my hand today? You get that weird, pasty feeling on your hand. and It's peeling potato, a life of peeling potatoes when everything's happening in the living room. And I'm stuck in the kitchen. I just hate that feeling. I hate that feeling. I want to I make a, a turn real quick in my message. And really, it's funny because it has nothing to do with my message, but it's a play on words. It's a play on words. Away from, I'll come back to peeling potatoes in a little bit. When I was a little kid, I used to get in trouble every once in a while. And um, as I would get in trouble, it was very funny how my mom used to discipline me. He cares so much about his son. I'm all right. It's just potato. (laughs) But whenever I used to act up, my, my mom had a way of doing things where I would act up in front of people. And um, I, I don't know if any of you had a, a, parent, a parent like this, but my mom would just give me the look. And I knew when that look, I was like, my, my mom really, I mean, she would do it, don't get me wrong. My mom never held down a hand if she had to. Her hand swung here and there very freely. But she was one that didn't necessarily hit me much in front of people. She was one that I acted up or I said something that I should not have said. I went somewhere that I shouldn't, and she's picking me up at a friend's house. And um, she just looks at me, and she's like, get in the car. And she gives me the look as she tells me to get in the car. And something would always come out of my mom's mouth when I would act up. And she would look at me with these eyes that would pierce through the deepest parts of my soul. And she would say these words, wait until you get home. Wait until you get home. 
Let me tell you something about those words. It doesn't mean that there was a meal prepared for me. <laughs> it doesn't mean that she bought me a new whatever game for my, well, in that time was Genesis, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. And she would look at me and say, wait until I get home. And I knew I had to get in the car, got right next to her, and I said, oh, man. You know, one time in my life, only one time in my life, don't judge me for this, but only one time in my life I told my mom I hate you, only once. You want to know why I only said it once? Because she taught me a lesson. <laughs> when I was showering and I was wet, and hangers that are made out of that material, that hanger, metal material, when they swing at you in the shower when you're wet, does it feel good? Do you hate me? I love you. I was just joking. I love you. Oh, I love you. Wait until you get home. How many of you have ever heard those words? Wait until you get home. I knew what that meant. I knew what to expect. And I would truly say that that was a bad expectation. Hey, the process of waiting from when she told me, wait until you get home, till we got home was the worst process in the world. Because I was like, is she going to use the hanger? Is it the broomstick today? Is it the buckle part of the belt? Is it her hand today? What do I need to wait for when I get home? I mean, I was expecting something. I knew something negative. My expectations the whole way home was negative. Now, one part of me was like, God's going to move with grace and he's going to touch her heart. And she's going to give me a hug and a kiss and say, I love you, don't do it. That rarely happened. I wasn't filled with positive expectations on my arrival to my house. I knew that what was going to go down was all negative. I say all negative, but in reality, it's bringing out the positive in me. In, the ad, in the reality, it's gonna, it was bringing out the best. That discipline, that chastisement brought some of the best, best qualities in me. Like, like, don't walk out of a kitchen with lasagna on your plate when the rug is a cream color. I'm traumatized. I've been there. Don't take the food out. Mom, I'm old. I'm, I was in middle school. I'm already, Mom, I'm old. You treat me like a little kid still. I'm not going to do this. And I had a plate full of pasta. God is so rebuking and so funny how he does things. I stepped over the threshold of the, from where the rug, that's a creamy white color, in our apartment to where the kitchen is. I just took one step and something happened there with gravity. I didn't even know what it was. Nothing tripped. I have no pets. I just walked. And when I walked, something happened that I just like did something and the plate literally went, no. Oh, and I remember like slow motion, no. And I was in middle school and I went, Bush, and I go, mom. And she goes, uh-huh. It fell, didn't it? And all I remember was she didn't come to look at it first. She already came with the broom in her hand. I told you. My poor mom, if she was here, she's probably the best mom that ever, ever, that, I, that, that, and I know there's some good moms in here, but you're not better than my mom, so I don't want you to think that she beat us and that she was an abusive man. You should have reported her. She abused. If she was here today, she would be mad at me. She really would because I'm making her seem like an abusive mom, and she was, and very rare did she have to put a whooping on us, but she came from a mother that believed in that, but not her. She was, it was very rare, but I've learned. I've learned certain things like that. And now I'm a parent and it's biting me in the butt. Jackson, don't you go up the stairs and he looks right at me with one foot up. What are you going to do about it? Like, so do I do something or do I not do something? <laughs> and you're just left to that. But you know, as you look at these expectations of when until you get home, there's also positive expectations that I want to talk to you guys about. Things to look forward to. Like, well, like marriage, we just saw that. For some it is marriage, like we just saw. For some of us, we are like a vacation. I look forward to a vacation. Oh, my God. I can't wait for my vacation day. And you have positive expectations like that. Some of us is to have a child. Well, maybe not. Maybe for some of us. And you expect that, and that's an expectation maybe that you have deep inside of you. But if anyone has ever been expecting anything, you know that there is a process. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. Don't miss that process. There is a process, and that process from where you are currently at until you receive that expectation, that thing that you're going to get. That period of time of where, listen to what I'm going to tell you, of where you are and what you are expecting is a very interesting period. It's a very interesting period. Let me tell you why it's a very interesting period. 
Because when people are in expectation, it reveals a lot about them. It reveals a lot about them. What do I mean? Like how you handle yourself, how you conduct yourself until you get there says something about you. To live in expectation is this. It is to believe that something will happen. It is a feeling or a belief about how successful, how good something or someone will be. I love that last little part of that phrase or that definition. I'll read it again. A feeling or this is what I bolded. A belief. A belief about how successful. A belief about how good someone, how good something will be. And, and I took that word will be, those words will be, and I put it into my, my le- next little point here, and it's this, will be. What does will be mean? Well, will be to me means this, that there is a waiting, a waiting is, is what that period is called, that process in between getting what you expect and where you are currently at, that car ride home with my mom when she said, wait until you get home, it literally was a period of time of just waiting. Like, I'm expecting something, but I haven't gotten it yet, so I'm sitting here and I'm waiting. And, and I love how the definition of expectation shows us that. A feeling of how successful something will be. Does it mean that it has come yet? No. But it means that it's coming. Yes, be expectant for it. Expect it to get there. But as you expect it to get there, you're just in a process and in a place called Waiting. And for some of us, that's a very hard place to be at. Come on. Thank you for telling me that, I'm, that there's an expectation. Thank you for... We're having a retreat in, a, in two weeks, and it's called Expect. Well, watch this. I want to know what to expect when I go to the retreat. Well, now, here's the Lord working in me. He says, you have two weeks. Just wait till you get there. And I go, I don't like that. Because I don't like to wait. And I'm sure almost every single person, maybe there's a, min- a minute few of you, and, and it's the rare group of you guys that God has called to do great things. But, but m- most of us in this room will probably say, I hate to wait. Nothing about me likes to wait. And that's the process that I'm talking about today. It's called waiting. It will be. So to live ex- in the expectancy, whatever it is that you're expecting, there's a will be part. There's a waiting part. And I just share with you that that thought of waiting scares some of us because our life is fast-paced. Our, this city that we live in, fast-paced city. So to waiting is not common for many of us. And waiting is not really enjoyed by many of us because really, who likes to wait? I know I don't, and I'm sure most of you probably don't. And I want to share this before we get into some text and scripture and bounce around. Waiting will either make you weaker or stronger. And you can write that down. It's going to make you either weaker or stronger. What I mean by this is this. As you're living in expectation, but you are found in a place called waiting, you will either quit, walk away, give up. You will grow weaker. Or you will grow stronger. You will will wait. You will trust that you will get there. You will grow perseverance. You will become stronger. So my next question to you as I draw this out of you before we get into the depth of this this message is this. What does waiting draw out of you? Does waiting draw out frustration out of you or does it draw out revelation out of you? And you can write that again because that's important. Does it draw a frustrated person or... Does it show you something deeper about you or about a situation like, like this? Well, this is what I mean. Do you only see the negative things when you are in waiting or do you see the work of God's hand in your waiting? The revelation of God when you are in a process called waiting or just negative. Everything's negative. I just don't like to wait so everything about me is bad and I just don't like to wait. And everything about you just becomes negative when you have to wait. Any negative waiters? Any negative waiters? Not many? I am. I'm proud to say I am a negative waiter. Sometimes God is to rebuke me and say, okay, I got to be a, a revel, a, a revel, I'm not even going to try saying it. I'm going to be an expectant waiter catching the revelation of God. 
The psalmist says it this way. He says this in chapter 27, verse 14. Catch this. He says, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, he has to repeat himself. He's like, yes, I did say that. Yes, you did not hear me wrong. Wait for the Lord, he tells us. So, so what is it that we are expectant for? What is it that you are expecting? And maybe you can't just say it out loud, but maybe it's personal to you. Maybe, maybe it's an issue in your life that hasn't been resolved yet, and you're just living in expectancy for that issue. Maybe it's a continual fight that you are living in, and you long that that fight would just get healed already. And you, maybe you don't want to just say that and confess that. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, what is it that you are expectant for? Maybe it involves your family, it involves your career, it involves something personal in your life that you can't even say it publicly. But I believe this, that if you search within, we will all see, almost everyone here will see that we are all living with some sort of expectancy in our lives. We're expecting something. I want to share a point with you as we move on. It's this, and it's something that I've recognized in my life, and it's this, that I cannot separate, separate my waiting. They're having a good time. Parents are so here. I cannot separate my waiting time and that in which I'm expecting, my expectancy time, I can't separate that from the Lord. And that, you should write that down. Do not separate this time of waiting from the Lord. Do not separate what you are expecting from the Lord. Because to some, it may make no sense to involve the Lord. For some people, you might look at it and say, why should I even get the Lord involved in my waiting? Because it doesn't even involve Him and, and I've realized that in my life that I must involve the Lord. Because listen to this. My waiting in reality is waiting in Him. It's waiting on Him. Because what does Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 teach us? That it's in Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the one that holds our lives and all things together. So watch. Whatever it is in my life that I'm living expectant for and I find myself in a period called waiting... Colossians chapter 1 teaches me that whatever it is, though it might not look like Jesus is involved in it, he's very involved in it because everything, he holds it all in his hands. So Rigo, as you wait, you need to just wait on Jesus. Like the psalmist says, yes, wait on the Lord. But it doesn't even involve him. It doesn't about my, my child. And, and Jesus like, but I hold that child in my hand. My career, I hold that in my hand. My, my ish, I hold those issues. All things, I, I, I hold them together. And that's what the book of Colossians teaches us. So as we wait, it is a period of time where the Lord is revealing things to us. And watch what I'm about to tell you. One of the things that he is revealing, at least to me, in my period of waiting is he's revealing my trust issues. That's what he's revealing. That's what he's showing me. And that's what he's searching out in me. My trust issues. Because to wait on the Lord, catch this, it is to trust in the Lord. It is to trust in the Lord. The word trust, it means this. It is a confident expectation of something. To have hope. To, the word trust is a person on whom or on which we rely on. A thing in which we rely on, a person on whom we rely on, a, to have confident expectation of something, to be filled with a hope. That all sounds like waiting to me, and it's the definition of trust. It's powerful. To wait. The Lord tells me, Rigo, to wait means to trust. But the times that you can't wait and you have to put your hand in and you got to go ahead of me, is because in reality, I'm revealing to you, Regal, that you actually don't trust me in those areas of your life. So there's times where I don't trust him in my areas of my marriage. There's times where I don't trust... Come here. You want to know why it's so hard to tithe sometimes? Because we don't even trust him in the areas of our finances. Because if you trust him, it's not even an option. It's so hard to do so much of the things that God's called us to be obedient to. And we always say, oh, it's because we're human. It's because we're flesh. Oh, God is dealing with me and God is working with me. Yes, 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 amen. But let's just go down to the root of it all. 
it's because there's trust issues in our hearts. And I lack trust in you, God. So because I lack trust, I know that I'm expecting for these great things, but watch this. You haven't given it to me, and I'm frustrated because you haven't given it to me. And God is like, yeah, you are frustrated, but the reason why you are frustrated is, watch, because when you live in a trust in me on the path to receive what you expect, that little waiting area is not a time of frustration. It is the time of my presence and joy. It is a time of revelation that I will show you so much until you get what I've called you to. But you miss out on it. All because, at least for me, you lack in trusting me. I wonder how many of you could relate to that. That's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes to the churches of Philippi. And he talks about everything that he has experienced. And he tells them he's learned how to find joy. Listen to what I'm telling you here. He's told them how much he's learned to find joy and happiness and faith. And whichever circumstance that he is currently in, he says... I don't have time to read all these passages to you. But then he goes on in his writing, if you want to go home and, and read the whole chapter, four of Philippians. He begins to say also how he gives thanks. And now watch what he says. He starts to give thanks to the church of Philippi. And the reason why he does this is he gives them thanks for all of their help. And not only help, it was the help of contributions to him and his ministry. Now, Paul begins to thank the church of Philippi because they would give money and they would give stuff to Paul and they allowed Paul to go to the next city to take the gospel. And it was a time of Paul's ministry when no one else wanted to partner with him. It was a time where no one else wanted to see the vision that Paul had. So when no one else partnered with Paul, Paul thanks the Philippian church and he tells them something in verse 19 of the same chapter 4. And most of you know that verse by memory. Chapter 419 says, and my God will supply. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that's, that's a good part for an amen. amen. Because Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and as he's writing to the church of Philippi, he's like, listen, God sees your giving. What is he really saying there? God sees your trust, and because you live in trust, though you're waiting, though you're in a period, and you give and you give and you give, and you might not even see uh, the abundance and, and the blessing behind that giving yet, I want you to know this truth. And he writes these next words down. Our God is able to supply you of every need of yours. Every need, not one. Hey, today, what song did we sing? All of me. Take all of me. And, and here's Paul, and he says he's able to do all of it. All of you. All of your needs he can supply. And his riches. Because he's the richest of all things. He's the owner of, a, of the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the one who makes pavements out of gold. Like, like who does those things? God does. And because he does those crazy things, he, money, he's priceless. There's no money, there's no price tag to him and how much he owns. There's no net worth, there's nothing like that when it comes to God. He owns everything. And because he is in such control, he is so omnipotent. He, Paul's saying, Philippi church, he will be able to supply you of your every need. Because he is rich, it's according to his riches. Because, because sometimes we, we long for man's riches and, and we long for, I need to keep a job because that's how I sustain my family and I need to do this because that's the way I get by. And, and Paul's like, no, children of God are way different. We don't look towards man for blessing. We don't even look towards man for riches. He, he's basically saying all the riches are in him. It's in Christ Jesus. So when you want to get rich, draw to the one who has riches coming out of him. It's, it's an amazing passage when you really just jump into it in, in an expository sense. But, 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 but Paul is really crying out to the church of Philippi here. They, they give Paul because they trusted in the Lord. That's why they gave. Because they trusted. And we need to understand that when, when we go through moments in which we might not see, see things right away, when we might not see hope and, and we might not see life happen and we might not see a change the way we want it to happen, we might not yet receive the love that we are expecting. Listen to me, because I know this is going to talk to some of you. Maybe we're, we haven't seen yet the raise, you know, the raise that your boss promised? Yeah, we haven't seen that raise that we are expecting yet. 
We haven't seen that child that we were expecting. We haven't seen that spouse that we were expecting. Some of us are married and we're still saying that. We haven't seen the spouse that I'm saying. I haven't seen him. I'm going to just stay looking here, but you haven't experienced that peace that you are expecting. What happened to the peace in Jesus? I'm expecting it. I haven't, haven't received any peace yet. I mean, I could go down the list. I don't think I think you get the point. Whatever it is that we are expecting for, whatever it is, please note this. Note this. This is good. And it's simple. Though you haven't received what you are expecting, though you have received what you are expecting, can I say that one more time? Though you haven't received what you are expecting, can I tell you one word? Wait. What do you mean, wait? Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on God, who Paul says will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. So you want me just to sit here and wait? Yeah. Why? Because you not doing anything about it shows God that you want him to do everything about it. Oh, man, I, I don't even know... I don't even know what I just said there, but, but I know I spoke to someone. Because you're just waiting. Because you're just sitting there. And you just trust in the Lord in that matter, in that manner, and in that, for that matter. It shows God. All right. He wants me to do everything about it. There have been times in my life where I said, I have no idea what to do. And everyone, people have actually looked at me and says, so then what are you going to do? I'm like, I just told you I have no idea what I'm going to do. But they, people always want action from that. Man, I, I really need you to catch this. Because there's been times where I looked at someone and I said, I don't know what to do. And they look at me and say, so what are you going to do? I'm like, what are they really asking me? Okay, so because you don't know what to do, what's the step that you're going to do to figure out what you need to know what to do? How many of you have said, I don't know what to do, and someone has looked at you and said, so what are you going to do? The believer's answer is, I'm just going to sit. <laughs> what do you mean you're just going to sit? I'm just going to wait. Wait on what? On the Lord, who will supply my every need. And why will you do that? Because in this posture, either he shows up or it's going downhill from here. And in that posture, he says, I show up. Because there is where it's obvious that it's my glory. There is where it's obvious that it's my presence. And then when man wants to put the honor back to God and say, Wow, did you see what so-and-so did? You who are at that and says, they didn't do anything. They just sat down. And many people, what they do is they grab all of their applause and they put it to man. Wow, did you notice what he just did? And that humble man, if he would really answer correctly, said, Guys, I really didn't do, I didn't do anything. I just sat and waited and I trusted in the Lord and he supplied our every need. So if you're going to applaud anyone, applaud the one who supplied but we always want someone else, something else. But it's always been God. In John 13, Christ begins to tell his disciples his time was up soon. It's actually hours away from his time. And he was going to go somewhere that they could not go with him. At least not yet. Can you imagine living with Jesus for three years at least, more or less? And one day he looks at you and says, hey, I'm going to go somewhere. And they're like, all right, we'll start packing. I'm like, no, no, you don't get it. Like, this is a place that you can't go. And like, what do you mean? For three years, we've gone everywhere you went. Now you want to start, tell us to stop going? Peter kind of comes up and says, did you forget? You told me to follow you. <laughs> you know? 
And then the other side was, me too. I was fishing that day, and you told me to follow me. You said, follow me, and we're following you, and now you don't want us to follow you no more? And like, you guys don't get it. I'm going somewhere that you're going to go eventually, but at least it's, it's not yet, but I'm going to go before you. And there's a reason why I'm going to go before you. So just stick around here. Just hang out for a little, bo- a little while. I'm trying to think of a word that he really meant to tell him. Just wait. Just wait here because I'll come back. He was moments away from his arrest, days away from the death on the cross, and he tells them this in John chapter 14, in this next chapter. He says this to them. Ready? This is awesome scripture. I hope you, I hope you really ministers to your heart. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. How many of you can say amen? Trust in God. Guys, he literally, he's literally telling them, I'm leaving, but you can't come with me, not this time. So wait here, but watch this. As you wait, he goes into the next chapter and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled, church. As you what? As you wait, don't let your hearts be troubled. So you're going to go through a time, you're going to go through a period, you're going to go through this moment in life where you're going to be in waiting. And and the whole time that you're living in waiting, you're expecting for this thing that I'm going to do for you. But it's not going to come necessarily when you think or when you want it so because it's not going to come like that i'm only going to call you to do one thing and that is wait and look at the next words don't let your hearts be troubled but what trust in me trust in god and yes also in me trust in also in me trust also in me there is more than enough room in my father's house i'm going home he he says this if it were not so would i have told you that that i'm going and i'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready i will come and i will get you so that you will always be with me where i am what is he really telling them wait 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 until you get home wait until you get home And it it wasn't a, wait until you get home. It was a, wait until. What? Trust until. Be confident until. Stay still and serve me. And then live with the expectancy. I'm not telling you to get rid of your expectancy. But what I'm telling you to is embrace the period of waiting. Come on. And as you embrace the period of waiting, just stay and wait until you get home. What do you mean by that? You're going to get home, but the call on your life is to live waiting, wait, trust, be confident until you get home. You wait and trust until you get home. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He, He is speaking words to them. And these words that he's speaking to them, it's because he would knew that what they would face would not be easy. He was going to ascend to heaven. And they would not go with him to where he was going. They were to stay here. They were to wait here. And the Lord wanted to do something in them and through them before they arrived home. You see, you can't get home yet. You can't get to what you expect yet. Because I'm not done doing what I'm doing in you yet. Come here. Because there's some of us that are living in expectancy and expecting something to arrive already. And God's like, I know what it is. And I have it there. And it's in a period of waiting. But in this process, I haven't been able to give you your expectation yet. Because I'm still doing a work in you and through you. I'm scared that if I give you this prematurely, I will not develop and build up the person that I'm developing you to be. So because more important to me is to develop you, I'd rather wait to give you this. Because what's more important, that I build you up rather than I build things up around you. And that's what the Lord is saying. Wait, because I'm not done. And you stay waiting. And you live waiting Until when, Lord? Until you get home. How many years? You you know, they weren't really thinking years. They were like, so how many days? It's been 2,000 years and you're still like, it's coming soon. Wait. Wait until. You know, if you ever study the, the disciples' lives, you will recognize that in their life of waiting, did you, have you ever read the scriptures? 
their needs were always met. Because sometimes we feel like if we don't receive what we are expecting, our needs will never get met. But what we don't realize is that thing that we're expecting is not, is not the fulfillment. It's not the need in your life. The need giver works, not in the expectant thing, but the need giver, the need fulfiller works in the waiting process. And sometimes we think that our need will get fulfilled once I receive what I'm expecting for. And what Jesus is teaching us is you'll never be able to get what you are expecting for until you see that I am the one that gives you what you need. That's not what you need. I give you what you need. So what does he do? He makes us wait. Until when? Until you go home. Wait until you go home. There's so much I want to say now, but I feel the Lord is telling me to keep going. And as you wait, don't let your hearts be troubled. What do you mean don't be troubled? Yeah, the opposite of that is what he says next. You trust in God. What is, what is the way of you not living in your trouble? You trust in God. Yes, also trust in me, he says. Trust in Jesus, he's telling you. As you wait, trust in me. I haven't forgotten you. I'm making a place for you. I know you want to be with me. I know you're expecting from me. I know you're expecting all these things from me. But just live faithful in this time of waiting and trusting. Just wait. Just wait until, wait until you get home. In our lives here on earth, man, there are always days of expectancy. At least for me, I expect to be with the Lord at least one day for sure. I know that. I do. I'm going to read to you the definition again, but I'm going to make it personal for me. And here it is. I believe that something will happen. I believe how good heaven and his presence will be for me. I believe it. That's expectancy. So I live daily in expectation, but there's nothing I can do but wait and wait and wait until I get home. And that means I wait. Listen to what I'm going to tell you because it doesn't always happen like this. As I'm living this life of trust and waiting, it means I don't live in worry. Not worrying about my life. I was sharing that with someone this week. I'm really not worried about anything. Because <laughs> the Lord is just confor- confirming to me, just wait, watch me do what I'm doing. I'm not worried about anything in my life and what's going to crumble around me. I'm not worried about my hopes and they're all going to be shattered. How many of us live like this every day? My hopes are going to be shattered. My things are going to crumble. My job is going to collapse. I'm not going to be laid off. I can't do this. My children. And we think about all these different things and God's like, shh, shh, shh. I'm here. Like, oh yeah. And we go crazy. Our mind goes off. We think about all these things. My hopes will be shattered. My dreams will never come true, etc., etc., etc. Waiting means trusting, church. So I trust that my life will not crumble, that my hopes will not shatter, that my dreams are his dreams for me. What do you mean? Trust, trust, trust. As I wait, I have a confident expectation on Christ who is my hope. I have Christ. He is the person in whom I rely on. So what do you do with the rest of your life? I just stand here and I what? Wait patiently on the Lord. You know what that phrase means? Consistently. What do you mean? persevering. My perseverance of waiting is strong. Just continue to wait it out. Until what? Until I get home. We live here. But church, new life, listen. As we live here, we wait until we get home. And I know, I know that you're expecting things here on earth and you're expecting things in your family and you're expecting stuff in your marriage and you're expecting stuff at work and you're expecting stuff and your finances, and all across the board of your life, and what it is all about, you know it all, every detail. And as you're expecting here, some things have happened for you, amen. Some things have not happened. Some things you feel will, will never happen. It's, I've just given up already. There's no way I, I should wait anymore. How many of you have just given up already? But today I say you wait. You trust until. You be confident until. You wait until you get home. How many of you can say amen? Can I tell you one of my next points that I really was heavy in my heart as I was doing this message? I wasn't sure whether I should share this, but I'm going to share it. And it's this. Ready? You can write this. There will be moments when the expectation is not what you expected. Meaning, meaning you're going to get married and you expect all these things and then you're in your marriage. You're like, what the heck happened? I didn't expect this in marriage. It meaning you're going to have a child and you're going to expect all these great things when you have children and then you're going to recognize the heck just happened. 
wasn't expecting this when I found out I was pregnant. You're going to expect that position, that new job. You might get it. You might be happy for the first couple. But then all heck breaks loose. Like, I wasn't expecting that. It might be a church that you visited. You might be here. Like, should they make this my home? I don't know what you expect about this place. But I'll, I'll promise you this. In a month from now, it's probably not going to be what you expected. So, so sometimes there will be moments when our expectations is not in line with the true expectation. Maybe, maybe it's totally the opposite. Watch this. Maybe it's not necessarily your marriage that now you're like, what happened to what I expected about what a marriage should be? Maybe it went this way. Ready? Where is that magic? Where is that marriage that hasn't happened yet for me? Where is that child that hasn't been born yet to me? Where is that position or that new job that I know that God hasn't given me? And where is it? And you could go down the list of all the things in life that we could say that have not happened yet. And you're just living a life of expectancy. How many have been there? How many are here? How many understand what I'm talking to you guys about? I'm going to say it one more time. There will be moments when the expectation is not what you expected. And that is the moment where you just got to hold up, slow down, come here, wait and trust. Wait and trust in me. James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, it says this, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits? For the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for until it receives the earthly and latter rain. And then he says this, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. How many of you can say amen? Look at some of the things he tells, says here. The farmer, be patient like the farmer. Why, why, why? Because the farmer, he waits. What do you mean? You see, the farmer plants seed and then you want to know what he does? He has no... He has no power to receive from that seed. All he could do now is wait and expect for that seed to grow. It's the same thing in our faith. We, we, the seeds are planted, the water has come, and we're just waiting, and we're believing for it to happen. We, the, James chapter 5, 7 and 8, wait patiently for it until it receives the rain. And you be patient. Watch what he says next. Establish. Everyone say establish. Yeah. Establish your heart. Be patient. The farmer waits, meaning he trusts. He trusts for what? For the fruit to bud. He waits patiently. He knows that the Lord will come, the rain will fall. So like the farmer, church, Jesus' half-brother is telling us today, you be patient. You didn't expect that in your marriage. So what? So what? Now you wait, you trust in the Lord in your marriage. You don't give up. You don't walk away. You don't find another. You wait and trust. Can I get an amen? Oh, but I expected, who cares what you expect? But my boss, does not matter. You wait and you trust. He'll bring rain. If someone look at someone and say, he'll bring rain. Man, I wish you guys would believe this for yourselves. Your child, oh my God, my child. Just wait, trust. Come on, say it with me. He'll bring rain. I wish you believed it. Your career, your workplace, your raise, whatever it might be. Wait. Trust. What, church? He's going to bring rain. He's going to show up. God will show up. He says, establish your hearts. You know what that means in the Greek? Make your heart stable. Stop being, going with the, stop being tossed by wind. Make it stable. Make it firm. Make it strengthened. Set fast. Trust, trust, trust. Establish your heart. I'm not moved by the winds and by the waves of this world. What moves me is the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the move of God in my heart. Why? Because my heart is not established by the waves around me. My heart is established in the presence of God and in the Word of God. Establish your heart. Wait until. Trust until. Establish your heart. Why? The Lord is coming. His reign is coming. It will fall. He will make the fruit of your marriage, the fruit of your child, the fruit of whatever it is that you're expecting to. But it's like someone who's eating healthy. They don't see the results right away. They're eating healthy. They want to lose 25 pounds. And they're like, oh my God, after week one, I don't see any, any results. What did you expect? But I promise you that if the process, if you stay, listen, 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 listen. If you stay faithful to the process, what you're expecting is coming. But don't think that if you don't stay faithful in the process of waiting, just doing things right as you wait, just doing things right, staying faithful and persevering and doing the things right as you wait. Don't ever think that what you are expecting will ever get here. It's got to be a process that is done right. It's got to be a waiting that is done right with trust. It's got to be an establishing of the heart. 
I'm dieting. I want to lose weight. I'm, my goal is 25 pounds. And in a week, we don't see the results. But I promise you this. If you continue to wait for it, continue to wait for it, you're going to stand on a scale one day. You're going to look in the mirror one day. And you're going to say, how did this happen? And the Lord is going to speak through you on that scale and speak through that mirror and say, because you trusted and you waited and you were faithful in the process of waiting. Just do it. Same thing with exercising. The fruit will show, but it's only after a process. And it's only if that process, you're faithful to it. And that process is called the hard work of trusting. John Ortberg says this, biblically, waiting is not just something that we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. I'm not ending, but I'm going to end soon. And this is what I'm going to wrap up my message, because I want to come back to Mr. Potato. And here it is. So I'm ending like in two, really, literally, I'm ending like in three minutes, four minutes, and then I'll end. Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read from Peterson's message translation so you could catch the whole potato aspect of it. He says this, keep your shirts on, amen? Keep the lights on. Be like house servants, what? Is it on there? Be like house servants, what? Waiting. And you're waiting for the master to come back from his honeymoon. What does it say next? You're awake and you're what? And you're ready to open the door when he arrives and he knocks. Lucky the servants whom the master finds on what? Oh, it's not up there? Okay. Lucky the servants whom the master finds on watch. He'll put on, listen to this, he'll put an apron on them. He'll sit them at the table and he will serve them the meal and he will share his wedding feast with them. It doesn't matter what time of the night he arrives. They are awake and they are so blessed because they stayed waiting. And because they stayed waiting, they were dressed and they, the Lord blessed them because they stayed waiting. They went through the process right. But look what it says next. Waiting and ready. Awake and watching. Did you see the trusting that goes on in there? Do you see it? 39, 40, and on, it says, But you know that if the house owner had not known the night the burglar was coming, he would have stayed out late, and he would have left the place unlocked. So don't you, slovenly and careless, be careless. When you don't expect him, the Son of Man will show up. Peter said, Master, are you telling the story, this, this story, just for us, or is it for everyone that's here? And the Master being Jesus, he says, listen, listen, he says, The Master says this, let me ask you, who is the dependable manager, full of common sense, that the Master puts in charge of his staff, to feed them well and on time. So here is this manager. Take care of my house. He's a blessed man. If when the master shows up, he's doing his job. Everyone say, when he shows up, he's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's staying faithful. But if he says to himself, the master is certainly taking his time. <laughs> Whoa, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting for what I'm expecting to arrive. And what I'm expecting to arrive never shows up. Ever been there? How much longer do I have to wait for this? Look what goes on here. The master is certainly taking his time. So what does he begin to do? He changes his heart in the process of waiting. He no longer becomes faithful. You know what he starts to do? Look what it says. He begins to maltreat the servants and the maids, treats them wrong. He throws parties for his friends, starts to live wild. He starts to get drunk. And the master will walk in when he least expect it, expects it. And he gives them, I love this, I love this translation. Ready? He gives them the thrashing of his life. And he puts him back into the kitchen and he finds himself peeling potatoes. I'm ending where I started. Perfect timing. <laughs> What's going on over there? Tell me the joke. What are you guys watching? What's that noise? What are you guys laughing at? The master's over here and says, you can't take part of what we are enjoying. You stay put in the kitchen and you keep going back to your little life of the excitement of peeling potatoes. And some of us have become comfortable in our lives with peeling potatoes. What is it that he preached? What is that verse again? You guys gonna fast when? Is a retreat coming? Hey, 
We're in the kitchen, so with this little duty, with this little position, with this job of peeling potatoes when we could be in the living room in the party in excitement with the king, with the master, eating with the apron, the meals that he's prepared for us. We should be eating the steak and we should be drinking the wine and we should be salivating out of our mouths. But instead, guess what we're doing? We're over here peeling potatoes with our life when the rest of God's people are over here eating meat from God's presence. Peeling potatoes. Why is this man peeling potatoes? Because he didn't trust in the Lord. And the ones that sit on the table of the king are the ones that trust in him. When they went through a time where trust was not normal. It was a time when everyone stopped trusting in God. You want to know why I think God has taken so long and is coming? Because he's filtering, he's sifting, and he's taking away the ones who truly trust him and the ones who don't. If God takes another hundred years or a thousand years, I will stay put trusting, believing, and waiting until I get home. I'm not going to peel potatoes when there's a table of meat. This is a great message before jumping into a fast. I'm not going to do that. You're going you're gonna to give up that for this, for potatoes, for a lifestyle of peeling potatoes. Watch this. God, let us catch this. Over there in the kitchen, peeling potatoes, we're working hard. Over here on the table with the master, he's working hard. Oh, man. Because when you don't trust, you're pushing your life to work harder. But when you do trust, you're making your life easier because he's serving the food when over there you're preparing the food I like to sit down and eat I don't like to stand and make it but I do love to sit and eat it the ones that don't trust have to stand out there and make it and you try to make it happen for yourself but the ones that trust you just sit down and you allow God to make it happen for yourself I hope you catch that today. I hope you catch that today. Potato. I'm not going back to peeling potatoes because I don't trust, because I don't wait. I'm not going back because I'm not going back to take my life lightly. I'm not going to go have wild parties again. Come here. I'm not going to go ahead and invite my friends to have a party and get drunk again. Those days are over. I'm not getting drunk again. I'm not having those parties again. I'm not inviting those people over again. I'm not doing that again because I don't have to trust in that for a good time. My trust is in the Lord now. You know why people live recklessly instead of waiting on the Lord? Because deep down inside, they don't trust Him and that He's going to return. He's going to show up for them. You don't have to do it. Let Him do it for you. Wait. Wait until you get home. Trust Him. Don't, you, you, know, you might feel like today you don't have a confident expectation of Christ. You might feel like you have no hope. You, you no longer rely on Jesus. And you go back to what? To peeling potatoes today. Come on. All while we should be trusting and waiting. I'm going to read those two verses back. Be like the house servants. Waiting for their master to come back from their honeymoon. Awake and ready to open the door when he arrives and knocks. And the servants whom the master finds on watch. On waiting and trusting in him. He puts on an apron on them. He sits them on their table. He serves them a meal. He shares the wedding feast with them. It doesn't matter what time or what night he arrives. They are awake and they are so, so blessed. But the other one, if he says to himself, oh, the master's taking too long. I could no longer wait. He begins maltreating the servants and the maids and he throws parties for his friends. He gets drunk. Everyone that's not Christian here today is like, woo, that's what I want to do right now. I want to go and have that party and I want to get drunk and I want to have my times with my friends. Well, you're going to live a life of potatoes. Look at this guy. When the master walks in, when he least expects it, he gives him the thrashing of his life and he puts him back in the kitchen peeling potatoes. You know what Jesus says at the end of this? 
to whom much is given, much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, to him I will ask more. Oh, I've given you church so much. All I'm asking in return is trust in me. Wait in me. Because God's heart for you is to sit you down at his table, to eat of his meat, to drink from his wine, to take of his glory. Instead, you're going to choose peeling potatoes. Wait until. Trust until. Be confident until you get home. There's so many verses I want to share. But the one that I end with is probably one of the most popular verses of waiting. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, that's me. I wait until I get home. And I throw the potato back to where it belongs. And I take back and I go back to where I belong. Stand with me as we close. This retreat coming up is on expectation. If something happens to one of our speakers and they can't speak, I'm probably going to just say, I'll just share the message that I shared two weeks ago. Because the truth is, what do we plan to expect? Oh, man. What do we plan to expect when we can't even plan to wait? Your expectancy expectancy it will bring fruit just like your muscles will bring, come but the exercise needs to happen for the muscle to show for the expectancy to show the exercise needs to happen but that exercise is totally different it's an exercise of waiting it's an exercise of trusting wait on the Lord yes I said wait on the Lord how many of you has the Lord spoken to today? Let's pray. Lord, you know who's living in expectance, but yet they struggle in waiting. I pray that today you would make it possible for them possible for them to trust and wait in you and on you. I pray that you would move through your word in power. I don't know how this message is not for everyone that's here. And I pray, Lord, I know you changed my message because you wanted this message to be delivered to your people. And I pray that if there's someone here who is struggling and trusting and waiting in you. Let them find peace. Let them find power in doing that today. Let them walk. Let them stand. Let them live in waiting. And let them keep waiting. And let them keep trusting. Continuing to be confident until they get home. Until you show up. I thank you because this word is for me. And I pray, Lord God, that I will never go back to peeling potatoes when you have a table that is set before me with meat, with wine, with blessing. Forgive me for going back. Forgive me for not trusting. Forgive me for not waiting when I should no longer be in the kitchen because you are already in the kitchen. Maybe we didn't catch it, but Lord, you told the disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled for I'm coming back. Where were you? You told them I'm preparing a place. What are you really doing? You're telling them I'm in the kitchen. I'm preparing a meal so I can set a table, so I can set up some meat. 
So you see, there's no reason for me to go back into the kitchen and do what Christ has already done. When I could enjoy the benefits of the table in which Christ is pouring to me. So Lord, allow me to never go back. Allow me to eat at your table. Let me wait. Let us wait until we get home. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. And may Russell Wilson have a great game today. And we all say, Amen. Amen.